Today on the Arts Report, Asian Film Fest rolls into town, Persian Elvis wows Vancouver crowds, chemical-free mind alteration at views at the VAG, Meili Todd brings funk pop to Vancouver, world music star Leela Downs spices up the Chan, world music concert for peace, and get ready for flu season, the play, plus free tickets to something, but not Kate Nash. Stay with us. Hello, and welcome to the Arts Report for November the 3rd, 2010. We have a very exciting uh, show for you, and we have some free tickets to give away, but sadly, I have to say, those free tickets will not be for uh, Kate Nash, as advertised. And that's because uh, Kate Nash is tonight, and whenever a show... Uh, whenever tickets are given away for a show, I didn't know this, but uh, they need heads up. They need uh, at least 24 hours heads up. So my apologies for that. But um, where there is a, where there is a problem, there is opportunity. So what I'd like to do is uh, is give away is give you a choice because we have lots of uh, ticket giveaways. And uh, so later on in the show, I um, will give you tickets or give you the opportunity to get to call in for tickets for shows, upcoming shows such as uh, Brastronaut and No Gold, uh, Luke Doucette, uh, Colorado Free Energy at the Media Club, um, DeLorean at the Biltmore, or, uh, or something else that I will throw out. So... Stay with us. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely give some tickets away. But uh, first, we need to talk about um, all the arts happenings in the city. And uh, one arts happening that uh, did not uh, take place on Saturday was a show by uh, a band called Women. Now, we were supposed to do a, a live broadcast at the Biltmore, but sadly, the night before the show, uh, women were playing in Victoria and they literally imploded on stage. During the sound check, uh, the band almost erupted in a fist fight, and uh, then during the show, they were swearing at each other about, hey, you screwed up that song, played a couple of songs badly, and then, um, and then basically half the band left the stage, and one guy wouldn't leave, and security had to talk him down <laughs> from the stage. And, um, and shortly after, their Wikipedia page was updated to say that they were a band from Calgary, and they broke up on October 29th, 2010. So they couldn't do a show on October the 30th, and, uh, and we were sad about that, um, particularly because they were number one on the CITR charts. I just looked at um, how to look at Discorder, and it looks like for the month of October, uh, they were number one, women. So, uh, great band, uh, lots of people listening, but sadly, uh, for now anyway, they uh, are broken up, and uh, we pray for their, uh, for their return. But, um, but yeah, sad and kind of funny. Um, all right, we're going to roll along, and uh, we'll tell you about uh, the Asian Film Fest. As well, later in the show, we'll tell you about flu season, which is uh, not just a terrible affliction that has taken me down in the last two days, but is also a play that's happening here on the UBC campus. Um, and uh, we have other great things, like Maylee Todd, who you might see on the CITR blog right now for the Arts Report, has uh, some funky, whimsical videos, uh, music videos. You can check that out on the website. Um, and we'll have an interview with her on the road, literally, as she uh, drives across uh, the country. But first, uh, the Asian Film Fest. It's uh, rolling into town on Thursday, November the 4th, which is tomorrow, if you're listening today, with, uh, with films from all over the world, including Vancouver. Now, uh, the closing night film will be One Big Hapa Family. And uh, Arts Report correspondent Nick Panu uh, spoke to the director, Jeff uh, Chiba Stearns, uh, as well as uh, he talked to some people at uh, last Thursday and Friday's Vancouver Short Film Festival. So it's sort of a, it's a melange of, uh, of coverage, uh, including the Short Film Fest and the Asian Film Fest coming up. So here it is. Right now we are here at uh, the closing night for the Vancouver Short Film Festival 2010. And uh, we have this opportunity of opportunity and pleasure of speaking to one of the judges, actress, producer, director, Elena Esselova. How are you doing, and Thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Thanks, Nick Penu. I, I, guess, I guess you had the, the opportunity be, before to uh, judge other film contests? Nope, this is the first time I've ever had to judge a film contest. I actually am a member of the Judges Panel of Canada through Hair Arts and Sciences, so I judge hair and makeup competitions. 
because I have a lot of experience in that and I have a lot of awards. But um, uh, yeah, last year I won an award for Best Actress at the Vancouver Comedy Film Competition. And since then, my career has started to skyrocket. And uh, I started doing way more acting um, and producing. So uh, um, somebody just gave me a phone call and then asked me to judge for this film festival. So I was really super excited and very honored to be a part of it. Yeah, uh, congratulations on that. Uh, the first couple episodes of uh, Hellcats uh, premiered on the CW Network. I haven't been to as many, uh, near as many uh, film festivals as, as you have been, uh, but the few I've been to and uh, going to the Celluloid Social Club, coming to this festival, there's student films, <laughs> but, but the connotation that has a student films is there, you know, not is, uh, I really don't like to say up to standard, but no, these films were really, really good. Like, yeah, I was very surprised. Um, I think the students did an excellent job. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but I think some of the student work was better than maybe some of the professional work, or just, just, as, just, just on par, like just the same. You know what I mean? If not better. Uh, the students did a great job, and I think we're going to look forward to seeing a lot of really talented filmmakers in our future. Alicia, uh, we had this privilege of speaking to Elena Esalova, one of the judges for the Vancouver 2010 Short Film Festival Competition. Thanks, Pudu. <laughs> right now we are sitting here with uh, the filmmaker for the film, uh, Ode to Postal Note, that's screened here at the 2010 Vancouver Short Film Festival. We have this privilege of speaking to uh, Jeff Chuba Stearns, the director, producer of Ode to a Post-it Note. So it was really great that we were able to get Arthur Fry, who was the inventor of the Post-it Note, um, to come and be a part of the film. And so all I knew at the beginning is that we were going to involve art in some way. But how could we make it kind of, you know, enduring? How could we make something that would go viral and people want to see this? So the greatest thing that we could do is make something that was very heartfelt, uh, very uh, filled with hope and could really kind of capture people's, you know, hearts. So we did this thing where this post-it note would come alive and it would travel to find its father, um, who ended up being Arthur Fry, the inventor. So the whole film sort of is this uh, post-it note comes to life from an office and then travels, you know, thousands of you know, miles to go find its father down in St. Paul, Minneapolis, which happened to be Mark Fry. And, you know, the whole process was, was uh, quite magical in itself because, like I said, it, it sort of it became more of a, you know, an amazing journey, I guess, as Post-it Note would take. So, yeah, you, it's actually on YouTube as well. You can YouTube Ode to a Post-it Note if you want to watch it. And uh, you have uh, another film, a feature, uh, One Big Hapa Family, BC premiere at the Vancouver Asian Film Festival this November 7th next week. Uh, yeah, can you talk a little bit about this film? So, One Big Hapa Family is a feature documentary. It's 85 minutes, and it looks at the reasons behind the high intermarriage rate in the Japanese-Canadian community and why it's so high. Um, and I take a look at my family because everyone after my grandparents' generation married someone non-Japanese. So what that meant is that a lot of the children now are mixed and blended Japanese-Canadian. And it looks at sort of where is culture, history, and heritage going? How is multiculturalism, the idea of multiculturalism, shifting in Canada? Um, where can it go? And are we forming Canadian identity if we are now mixing and blending? And what can other groups like the Chinese Canadians, the Indo-Canadians, and such learn from other groups who are embracing the idea of integration and intermarriage and mixing? Um, because a lot of those groups are very sort of attached to their traditions and keeping a purity of their own race. Um, and so what this film looks at is, you know, things will be okay. We're going to be, you know, we are Canadian and we need to accept the fact that we are, are Canadian. And part of that being Canadian is that we are mixing and blending. So the film will be the closing night film of the Vancouver Asian Film Festival on November the 7th, screening at 7 p.m. And tickets are available at vaff.org. Uh, listeners, we had uh, this opportunity of speaking to uh, Jeff Chiba Stearns, a filmmaker for the film Ode to a Post-it Note and One Big Hapa Family. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this interview. Great. Well, thanks for uh, having the time to chat with me. And thanks to Nick Panu for doing that, uh, those interviews. So the Asian Film Festival is from November 4th until the 7th. So basically now.
uh, and across the weekend. Um, now on Sunday is uh, Jeff Chiba Stern's film, um, and that's that's one big happy family, and that's will play on Sunday, November the seventh, at seven p.m. Uh, at Tinseltown. And you can get more information about the festival and all the different films that are screening at vaff.org/festival or just vaff.org. Uh, tickets are usually ten dollars for films. The closing night. Um, which is actually Jeff Chiba Stern's film is closing night. That will be $15. The opening is already sold out, so it looks like uh, ticket sales are going briskly. So I would recommend going to vaf.org and getting your tickets. Uh, there will be a closing night wrap party uh, following uh, the film, and that will be at Opus Bar at 322 Davies Street. Uh, and the film is at Tinseltown, as I mentioned. So we're going to take uh, a break. But uh, when we return here on the Arts Report, we'll tell you about the Prince of Persian Pop. So stay with us, and we'll give away tickets to a show of your choosing in the next little while. Stay with us. Media Democracy Day is coming. November 6th from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Vancouver Public Library, come out to question and change the media. There will be panel discussions on gender, sexuality, and violence, copyright issues in Canada, the accuracy of environmental reporting, and much, much more. Plus, CITR will be broadcasting live on location for the whole afternoon. And did we mention there's an after party? Remixology 3 at W2. Steve Pratt, director of CBC Radio 3, will be there to discuss the future of media. There will also be food, a bar, great local music, and plenty of opportunities to socialize and network with Vancouver's leading media innovators. The doors for Remixology 3 open at 5 p.m. So come on out to Media Democracy Day, November 6th from 12 to 5 p.m. at the Vancouver Public Library, and then head out to Remixology 3 at W2. For more information, check out openmedia.ca and mediademocracyday.org. Proudly supported by CITR. Hey, you're listening to The Arts Report. That's right, on CITR 101.9 FM or streaming live on CITR.ca. I'm your host, Adam Janusz, and um, tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., I will be on your TV as well. Uh, Canada AM, which is the morning news uh, program on CTV, is doing a feature on recent political up, uh, upheavals. Well, let's just say uh, recent changes thanks to elections, um, including uh, civic elections in Toronto, Calgary, and of course the big resignation of the Premier today, Gordon Campbell. Um, as well as the stuff going on in the States. And so they, uh, why would, would they want me there? That's, that's, that's your question. The answer is uh, they want to know um, what the word on the street is um, with UBC students, with, uh, with artists, and with BC people in general. So they thought they would get all three by talking to me, and, um, and uh, I agreed. So if you're up at 7, 7.03 a.m., uh, tomorrow morning, uh, check me out on CTV, and hopefully I won't make an ass of myself on national television, but don't bet on it. All right, moving right along, we have Andy. He's known as the Prince of Persian Pop, the Persian Elvis. Andranik Madadian, I hope I've got that right, or Andy as he's known, has released 15 albums, sings in Farsi, English, Spanish, Armenian, and Hindi, to name a few, and has toured all over the world. He has just wrapped up a show at the Chan Center over the weekend, and Arts Report correspondent Matab Eskandari spoke to him. So here is, um, is Matab's interview with him. And you are dragging it to pop music. Why pop music? I was raised on Beatles, Elton John, Rod Stewart. I, I grew up with uh, British pop music, I could say, and then American pop music. And uh, to me, music is universal. One music can be made in London, but it crosses uh, countries and borders, and it, and it, and it makes a heart has no money to spend but has music to listen to. So that was me in Iran. I was raised in my household with love and music. And so that's really the closest thing to my heart. And pop music suits your heart, whether you're sad, whether you're happy, you're in love, or out of love. Other than that, I, I really am a rocker. And at the same time, I love classical music. I did have jazz education at some point, but at, at my heart, 
uh, I'm a pop singer. I've had a lot of great opportunities outside Iran to work with brilliant artists. I have duets with Arab singers from different countries. A song called Yalla Ya Shabab, and, and that was number one seller. Side, I had a great duet with Bon Jovi, which we have about five million hits. Stand by me, five million hits on YouTube and, and growing daily. And God knows tens of Iranian singers, I've, I've had duet with them. I just like this camaraderie. I integration through, into other cultures and music that will convince the rulers of the world that look, musicians can get along, why can't we? So hopefully, hopefully one of these days. It is working. How about... Nobody believed the song that we just did it for our own heart. There was really no purpose in it except to say, hey, this American singer, here's an American Persian rocker, they can sing together and get along and sing about love and, and solidarity. Why can't the nation's leaders do that? We're not going to sing a song that has any type of connotations of politics. We're telling people, we, we have all learned from Gandhi, that big steps can be taken without violence and peaceful and Iranians are peaceful loving people and all they want is their right. How, how do you choose your imaginary uh, land of territory of your music and how do you choose your locations in Samarkand, in uh, Tajikistan? Basically, it seems like I'm not the one who's choosing these countries. It's the faith and the people of these uh, far countries who are just unbelievably nice people. I went to Samarkand and Bukhara and Tashkent and it was like going into history, these historical places and then suddenly you find, you find people who are so beautiful, so nice, they go out of their way to make you happy. I felt like I was home. I felt like I was in Iran. And, and yet every year we are discovering new countries. Rumi has this poetry. He, he basically says, I'm not this and I'm not that. I'm both. I, I am this and I am that. So in my, in my life, I don't, you can't really define me as Andy, that person. I am like all of these experiences, musically, culturally, and uh, family-wise, because my dad would work in different uh, uh, villages of Iran building roads, and they were the nicest people. And when you listen to the music I write, you hear that. You hear the authentic Iranian music that comes from the heart of a small village. So I am inspired, I am in heart. The melodies that I write, they're coming from the small villages. We thank everybody for still hanging in there with listening to Persian music. The point is, the Iranian kids who are growing here, like any other nation, they could have melted in this pot and forgotten their heritages. We have a great show tonight. I have several artists who are uh, coming in to sing with me. Shaney, who is an American artist. And Kaveh uh, Yagmoyi. I have Ario, an Iranian violin player, 14 years old, who is actually tonight is playing with the uh, Vancouver Symphonic Orchestra. And, and he's also jumping the wall and coming to play a couple of songs with us. Uh, I have um, belly dancers, uh, Sahar is performing with us. So it's a big show. It's a big show. I'm hoping for Canadians to show up because music and culture is the best way to make friends with a nation. And thanks to Matab Askandari for that one. And uh, Andy's next show is in Paris, France on November the 7th. All right, Fuse, part gallery show, part rave, or, or is it? Part something altogether its own. Fuse is a roughly quarterly art-themed party at the Vancouver Art Gallery. Coming on November the 5th, it'll feature a cornucopia of artists, including recent arts report guests, Out Inner Space Dance Company, New World Theater, and filmmaker Alex McKenzie. 
I spoke with Heidi Reitmeier, director of public programs, and, uh, and asked her if it was accurate to say that it's uh, a part uh, gallery show, part rave. And, um, and she took me to task for the word rave. Um, a rave sounds a bit like... Uh well, A, you can't take any Class A drugs here. Okay. Um, but um, it's an unexpected night out. It's really, I think, a night where we hope to transform the way people uh, consider works of art. So it's a night of performance, and it includes dance, music, theater, and participatory projects. Mm -hmm. It's really um, a kind of, we hope, the notion of an art gallery being kind of prohibitive mm -hmm. and uptight and... Uh, maybe a bit like a cathedral, that we blow that out of the water and really change people's perceptions of what our practice is and what it can do um, mm -hmm. in a museum and in the 21st century. So it's, it's, we're hoping to kind of change and radically change um, people's perceptions. So it is perhaps in that sense, maybe, life-altering like a race, <laughs> yes. but um, perhaps not. And the sociability is there. Mm. Um, we certainly think about it as a social night that's both smart, funny, unexpected, um, and definitely participatory, which is like a rave. So, yeah, possibly. I think just maybe the loud, throbbing music and the drugs is not so much mm. so. Yeah. Um, so, but, so uh, it, can be, it can still be mind-blowing, just not caused by chemicals. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's probably a, a, a good example. And maybe, maybe, and I don't know how much you think it a, ra a rave, but I hope that people, there is kind of moments of, of consideration and contemplation at the same time that you're having a good time. Mm -hmm. um, so for this, uh, we do fuse three times a year, and they happen on Friday night, mm -hmm. and we're open from 8 to 1 p.m., and they're all themed. Each fuse is always themed, and this one is about stuff, mm -hmm. um, so the notion of stuff and the everyday. So we have six artist projects, and I guess there's a few premieres on the night and debuts, which is quite exciting. We have something from New World Theater called Rothgar's Stuff. And um, Ho Rothgar Matthews is a well-known local actor, and Marcus Yusoff is the artistic director of New World Theatre and their neighbors. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rothgar has a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that he talks about as being nouveau welfare museum-ish quality stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's bringing it to the gallery to create an installation where really he's going to talk about the kind of um, affiliations with stuff, but mm -hmm. also there's a lounge music featuring bank dogs and, of course, some blender drinks, which are very important when you're Ooh. having conversations about stuff. Very important. Now, now, is this uh, the one you mentioned of New World? It, it sounds almost um, not like it's not a play, right? But it doesn't sound fully like it's just a, like an exhibition either. No, it's an interactive performance piece. Okay. Is probably how I would describe it. So it's a moment where you can kind of come and talk to the performers and engage with the piece, and it wouldn't exist if the participants weren't there. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't come which again is going back to your analogy of a rave, mm -hmm. um, if you didn't come, it wouldn't exist. So it exists based on a sociability and a kind of conversation. Great. And um, tell me what uh, Heidi Nagtagal is putting Oh, on. and her headband project. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic one. And actually, this is the culmination. This fuse on Friday night. She's been, um, it's a durational project, which has been running for almost seven years. And she's created 12,000 headbands. And for this fuse, she's making almost 3,000. Oh, my God. And she moved from um, Halifax to Vancouver seven years ago and essentially wanted to start making friends and connecting people, so she made headbands, mm -hmm. I guess as a kind of signifier. And then it became a project where she was invited to weddings and parties and birthdays and bar mitzvahs making headbands. <laughs> and it's now become her thing in a way where she distributes headbands to connect people together. So if you come to this fuse on Friday night, you will receive one of the, um, the last of her project's headbands, and you can kind of connect and recognize other people who are also wearing headbands. Wow. Yeah. That so sounds great. Really exciting project. Um, there's two um, fantastic music pieces that are playing. Um, Veda Hilla, who's a musician, storyteller, and songwriter here in Vancouver, is performing her Craigslist list. Um, which we know is the ultimate place where you find stuff. Mm -hmm. And actually, Judeco, which is the Teco uh, group, are making really loud percussive sounds in the rotunda, which will be extraordinary. Um, and they're playing with food. So they're doing a kind of um, drumming food performative exploration, which will be pretty sensational, I think. It sounds pretty mind-blowing, I have to tell you. Yeah, no, it'll be great. Really, really great. All right, and that was Heidi Reitmeier. Um, who will not be dealing any Class A drugs on Friday night. Uh, Fuse is on November the 5th um, at 8 p.m., and it goes well into the night uh, until 1, 
AM admission is $19.50, including tax, and uh, gallery members get in free, which is very nice. You can get more information on this um, at www.vanartgallery.bc.ca, and then you can find out, uh, you can purchase tickets uh, for Fuse and... Um, and for other uh, things happening over at uh, the Vancouver Art Gallery. So check that out. You can also go to our website and get information on any of the segments we've had today and get uh, links to the events that are coming up in the next few days. That's citr.ca. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we'll tell you about Meili Todd, who is a eclectic, funky musician who's coming to the Pit Pub at UBC. Stay with us. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. And we're back on the Arts Report. Maylee Todd is one of Canada's most whimsical artists. Based in Toronto, her video Aerobics in Motion, which is now available at citr.ca, right on the front page, is in rotation at Much Music. And now she's on tour across Canada with a stop at the Pit Pub at UBC on November the 9th, Tuesday. I caught up with Maylee while she was cruising toward the West Coast along the Trans-Canada Highway somewhere near Sudbury, Ontario. And uh, I started by asking her to what extent is her sort of mixed style music, to what extent is it just um, an expression of, you know, how she's feeling that day that she's in the studio, and to what extent is it a sort of working toward um, an artistic uh, statement that's uh, concrete? Um, that's actually a very good question. Um, I would say it's probably more on feeling and more on, uh, I guess, my limitations. Like um, when I was writing sort of the bossa kind of music, I was, I, uh, I, I had, I started off playing on a classical guitar, and so uh, I started learning those sort of chords, not actually knowing what I was playing. Like I, I can't actually read music, so um, so I just kind of play and strung along together chords that sounded good apparently a lot of them are sevens <laughs> okay so my band members tell me um <laughs> and uh and yeah i'm very inspired by obviously uh Tropicali, a lot of bossa and stuff and it, a lot of the things like if you listen to the album it kind of jumped all over the place but uh, again like with the harp stuff i was just this album was was kind of documenting my process like i was just sort of learning the harp so, um, you know, I have no formal training whatsoever, so I kind of just tried to get as creative as I could to fool everybody and <laughs> uh, <laughs> make it sound as good as possible, um, you know, with, with what I know. Right. And, and, and tell me about some of your, you, you mentioned uh, playing the harp. Now, is it true that you're, you, you've also been a, a personal trainer? Yeah, I still am, actually. That's uh, one of my day gigs, for sure. And yeah. what, what else? What else? Because you've got quite a resume. Yeah, um, yeah. I work as a personal trainer. I'm kind of at the point now where I uh, I don't work for a gym. I just I just work freelance, mm -hmm. um, working with like seniors and working um, with people. Like not to say that the seniors want to get like ripped for the summer. <laughs> um, I think it's just so that they could be like independent. You've done stand up. Uh, yeah, I'd say I did more sketch and improv. I was working okay. for um, working for Second City on this touring company called Students Rule. And basically we would go into high schools and um, we would do these sketches on sort of anti-bullying. I kind of feel like these anti-bullying sketches, but I kind of felt like they were, like the kids kind of knew we were a little preachy because we were like, <laughs> yo, yo, what up, kids? Hip new tracks and hip new jams and just like, I don't know, it's a little, <laughs> a little trying, but uh, it was really fun. And now, I see a lot of that um, sort of comedic improv aspect in, in your music videos. It seems like you definitely uh, aim to have a lot of fun in the music videos. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not 
I'm not a huge fan of a sort of classic performance video, you know. Yeah. Um, kind of want to push the boundaries a bit. Uh, since, like, my mindset, I think, like, always growing up, I was always a bit of a strange one. Like, I made a lot of my own videos, and, uh, like, for school projects and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, we have to do a video. <laughs> and we would just fill it with commercials, our own commercials, and it wouldn't even make really any sense, but we just found it hilarious. And uh, so I always found that, you know, always interesting and uh, kind of pushing with sketch writing and stuff like that. It's there's always kind of a shock value, not not to be, you know, not to shock for the sake of shocking someone, but sort of giving them an unexpected turn. So mm-hmm. they have all these expectations of kind of where the story is going to go or where the joke's going to go, and then kind of take them on like a left, quick left, hard left turn. Mm-hmm. Like, whoa, my mind is being blown. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's it's really fun to try to expand on that and, and I wonder when you, you know I, I don't know how the process of making music videos but do you have like a, a team of, of people or, or a group of friends that 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 uh, work on each video or because it seems like there's a very consistent there's a consistency in all uh, <laughs> I think the consistency is probably me <laughs> I'm always working with different people like the first yeah. music video I, I did um, was with this guy named Jared Sales and we were actually in comedy school together and uh we we kind of we collaborated on a concept. I had a concept. He had a concept, and so uh, we um, we pulled all of our resources together, like all of our friends mm-hmm. that were in the arts, etc., uh, because we didn't have any funding. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he's great at post production. So he really he really put a lot of time into it. And then the last video that I just did, um, I actually got a grant from Much Much Music for Aerobics in Space. Right. It's a, the latest video that just uh, came out, and I'm wor- was working with the director Jay Lee. Um, from a production company called 1188 Films. And Jay Lee saw the Summer Sounds video and then uh, contacted my manager was like, hey, I really want to work with her. Hmm. Uh, there's a video fact grant coming up. We should apply. And me and him, uh, he, I had this concept about uh, about uh, the old Adam West, Batman, kind mm-hmm. of the, the terrible, terribly sort of staged uh, sketch and <laughs> all these ideas. And he's a big fan of uh, comic books. He actually ran his own comic book store for quite a while so we put all again like pulled all of our resources uh, collaborated on different concepts and uh, yeah the ideas kept flowing you know and, and mm-hmm. then we just we got together and we did that video well, so we, really much fun so yeah. much fun <laughs> we've got it up on uh, on the CITR blog right now and so people can, can check out that uh, that video and yeah and, oh great awesome and we look forward to seeing you at uh, at the Pid Pub here at UBC great thanks Wicked. And that was Maylee Todd, who I uh, chopped rather abruptly at the end, uh, who will be at the uh, Pit Pub, as I just said, on November the 9th here in um, the UBC campus. So check that out if you're around. Okay, now, uh, before we go into the break, I would like to give you some tickets. So if you're still listening and uh, you want to check out a free show, here are your options. You can check out Brastronaut slash No Gold at the Rickshaw Theatre on November the 12th. You can see Luke Doucette on November the 12th at Venue. Holodero or Free Energy at the Media Club. Or, no, can't do Winter Sleep. Or DeLorean on November the 13th. All right, the, the, the boards have lit up, so let's take a break and answer some calls. Vancouver is a diverse city, and that's why CITR is committed to multicultural programming. We feature music from all over the world. Ethiopia, India, France, Africa, Latin America, Russia, Iran, Jamaica, Italy, and Japan. And we don't only broadcast in English. We broadcast in a number of other languages. Pour sûr, il y aura une programmation multiculturelle à Vancouver. Supportez CITR maintenant. Appelez au 604-822-8648. 604-UBC-UNIT. Ou donnez en ligne à citr.ca slash donate. Help ensure that there will be multicultural programming in Vancouver. Support CITR now. Call 604-822-8648. 604-UBC-UNIT or donate securely online at citr.ca slash donate. CITR Fun Drive 2010, November 16th to 25th. Visit citr.ca to learn more.
the Biltmore Cabaret is the home of great live music in Vancouver. October 29th, check out Avi Buffalo with special guests. Long Beach's Avi Buffalo are touring in support of their debut album out now on Sub Pop. Doors are at 8 p.m. and advance tickets are $12. October 30th, come see women with guests New Sensei and Make Out Videotape. Hailing from Calgary, Alberta, women are touring in support of their highly anticipated Flemish Eye Jag Jaguar release LP, Public Stream. Tickets are $11 in advance, the doors open at 8 p.m. and the show starts at 9. Don't forget it's an early show and the curfew is 12 a.m. November 4th, don't miss West Coast hip-hop legend Lyrics Born performing with Rocka Ira Science of Dilated Peoples on the Auto Reverse Tour. Lyrics Born will play lots of tracks from his new release As You Were as well as lots of fan favorites too. Advanced tickets are $20 and the show starts at 9.30. The Rural Alberta Advantage hit the Biltmore stage on November 6th with Pepper Rabbit at Imaginary Cities. Tickets are $13 in advance and the show starts at 8.30 p.m. For more information and tickets to these and other shows, visit www.biltmorecabaret.com. Hey, we're back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at citr.ca or available in blog form. Um, blog form? Podcast form. What the hell am I saying? Available in podcast form, uh, also on citr.ca. And so, if you're just joining us, you can uh, you can catch up on um, the events that we've uh, just covered in the first half hour on the show, and you can also subscribe to our uh, podcast, our blog blogcast. Uh, you can do that at citr.ca. There are links um, from this Wednesday, this today's arts report uh, blog post. And there's links to our Twitter feed and our, our uh, podcast subscription. And, uh, and there's links to all the stuff that we're talking about on the show today. So you can get tickets to things right from our website. So check that out. Now, um, we still have uh, flu season. We'll be talking about a play that's happening, that's being put on by the UBC Players Club. And uh, director Brian Cochran will be here live in studio. That'll be fun. And we'll also talk about the World Music Concert for Peace. Uh, later in the show, a music concert uh, in North Vancouver at the church, uh, St. Andrew's United Church. So we'll hear about that as well. But first, uh, first we will talk about Lila Downs. Uh, fitting for a world music artist, Lila Downs is part Mexican, part Aboriginal, and part Minnesotan. Her style mixes blues and boleros, jazz and opera, gospel and hip-hop, and corridos and cumbias, whatever those are. She has long been recognized by the music industry, receiving a Latin Grammy for the 2004 release Una Sangre and a Grammy nomination for 2008's Shake Away. Uh, she'll be at the Chance Center on Sunday with gypsy-influenced Spanish artist Buica for a night of wild and worldly soundscapes. And uh, I chatted with, uh, with Lila, and um, I asked her about her artistic sort of uh, thesis, and I asked her... What, uh, what is it that she's trying to sort of uh, accomplish through her very, very diverse musical portfolio? Um, well, yeah, I guess in as, as an artist, you set out to explore who you are as a person, as a musician. Um, I don't think you know that when you mm -hmm. start doing it. You just do it because it comes natural in a way. And I guess for me, it's been about being in between different cultures has mm -hmm. had so much to do with who I define who I am and who I feel I am sometimes. Mm -hmm. And also as a woman, it's, um, it's, it's been curious and interesting and also a challenge to be between those three cultures. <laughs> yeah. One being the native Indian culture, my, my grandmother's native ethnic group mm -hmm. is Mixtec. My mother being more of a, well, she is also Indian, but she also was influenced by the national culture, which is Mexican, of mm -hmm. course, as we know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and my father's North American culture, so. Mm -hmm. And um, I, guess, I guess that's also an opportunity as well, is that, that world music is just so extremely diverse. It's almost silly to, to, to give it that name, world music, isn't it? I guess it's okay in terms of um, being in this universe, you know, mm -hmm. we are from this this planet, and <laughs> I see it that way. I think we're, we're um, um, people who, who do know 
about the variety of music and you know question and and wonder and like to scratch the surface level of things mm-hmm. usually yeah. find you know that there's quite a diversity in our world yeah come to think of it i guess for you it applies very well because like you're saying you you know you're a blending of these different cultures so i guess the only way to, to explain it is that it's just sort of it's you're, you're a child of the world right <laughs> i guess yeah <laughs> now tell me about now uh, the show at the Chan. I understand it, this is sort of a, a tribute. Is that right to uh, Chavela Vargas? Yes. Tell me about that. Well, it's uh, it's a bit a tribute and a bit you know our own thing. I think Buica is also doing her own some of her own songs and some songs that don't have necessarily to do with Chavela, mm-hmm. as well as we are. And and then but we both. Uh, pay tribute to her in either our style of music or in her case she just did an album I think mm-hmm. that tri- makes pigs a tribute to her and and in my case the next album I'm doing has a number of songs that that she used to sing um, but also has a lot of our originals so we're going to be doing some of those pieces and I think the tribute is is because um, she's she's still around she's in a very difficult uh, health uh, area right now. She's mm-hmm. having a hard time. Of course, she's, she is like 90. <laughs> and, and so to be able to pay tribute to her, she's been very um, kind to me and sent me a lot of um, uh, you know, kisses in the <laughs> in the artistic sense. Yes. It's been very, very beautiful, and <clears throat> and <laughs> which is surprising sometimes because she's of a character, and you never know who she may turn on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think with Buica, she's the same. She was kind of you know drastic and crazy, and then and then very warm. Great. So, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So I was just going to say that um, I think the intention of who she is as a singer, as a performer, is what we're trying to get at. And that's what I feel that Buica does. She's a very honest singer as well. Um, of course, she's very young compared to someone like Chavela. And, um, and then I'm a little bit older, and so I have a different take on it, I guess. And I'm also Mexican, so I have a different take, or Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's... It's neat because each of us have a different um, kind of artistic uh, grasp of this experience that Tavila is. Nope, and that was uh, Leela Downs. All right, and uh, I love saying Buika. Buika, Buika, Buika. Uh, Buika and Leela Downs will be at the Chan Center. I believe it's on Sunday. That's right, on Sunday. And tickets are $51 and $57 for adults. $48.54 $48.54 for seniors and $41.47 for students. Not quite sure why there's two different prices, um, but there are. Tickets can be purchased, and you can maybe find out why there's two different price numbers um, through Ticketmaster. Uh, or you can go online to Chan, the Chan, sorry, chancenter.com, www.chancenter.com, and, um, and get your tickets uh, there. All right, so stay with us. We're going to take a short break, and when we return, we'll talk to Brian Cochran, the director of Flu Season, and hopefully not get sick. At Dunkin' Donuts, each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. The flu season is a love story set in a mental health institution. And uh, director Brian Cochran is here to tell us what that means. Hello, Brian. Hello, Adam. So, um, a love story set in a mental health institution. That's correct. Give us a quick synopsis. What is it? Okay. Oh, boy. It's hard to to sum this play up. It's it's an absurdist, tragic comedy love story. Um, (laughs) It is set in a mental institution, and it's also set in the theater. So, it's a play about the difficulties of creating something beautiful, so whether that's a relationship or a life or a piece of art, um, the ways that we try and struggle with that. Now, does the mental institution have a theater? Or uh, No, so there's, <laughs> uh, there's uh, two narrators uh-huh. who, who talk directly to the audience 
who uh, who help guide us through the play. And as we go through the play, um, I think it comes out that that the narrators share some common experience uh, mm. with the story itself. So um, perhaps there's a twist there that uh... there's you know there's no like big surprise like usual suspect style twist or anything. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I think it ultimately makes it quite satisfying because uh, the narrators are trying to give you this story. And then the story starts to take on a, a different tone. So uh, it asks a, a really important question, which is, what do you do when your feelings change? Mm. So your feelings about something, your feelings for somebody, do you honor that change in feeling, even if it's going to totally crush somebody else? Mm. Or do you keep yourself unhappy to not hurt somebody else? And okay. uh, it's pretty interesting. Cool. Dilemma. How long have you been working on this particular show? We've been working on this show not for too, too long. A uh, few weeks, but very part-time. So it's through okay. the UBC Players Club. Uh -huh. um, UBCPlayersClub.com. <laughs> and uh, it's like a student club that lets students who want to put on their own play put on a play. So you apply oh, in, really? the in the spring. Uh -huh. So back in March or April, I applied with this play. And then they put out a call. So it's uh, we have three first-year students and a second-year uh -huh. student and a couple of recent UBC grads in the cast. It's a cast of six. Uh, we've been at it for about, yeah, three weeks, but I mean, it's really been like, geez, 40 hours of rehearsal, not mm. too much. And tell me, what's, uh, what's, the biggest, what's been the biggest challenge for you as a director in, um, in bringing uh, your vision uh, to the stage? The um, this is a very complex play uh, where the characters behave in very contradictory, uh, unpredictable ways, and it's been a real big challenge to, to motivate all those choices or help okay. the actors find the motivation for these choices because seemingly they'll be going in one direction and then like boom 360 another direction and I mean yes they're in a mental health institution but it's not about crazy people or the treatment of people who are mentally ill it's mm -hmm. not about that at all it's uh it's tough it's tough to find motivation sometimes but we all do it right we all right. we all are con very contradictory in our lives so yeah. it makes them it makes them interesting and real but it's certainly been a huge challenge to mm -hmm. so to find like, the motivation doing this right well yeah now? so there there will be there's one scene where this guy the man is trying to and they're called man and woman <laughs> and he's trying to to flirt with her and then all of a sudden he just goes into this little like <laughs> thing where he starts talking to the ceiling <laughs> and it and it's it's, you know, it's just stuff like that, that that comes out of nowhere. And like I said, the play is a bit fragmented at times because it's about trying to create. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been, that's been difficult. Um, and okay. we've only put it together once, and there is a play in there. And we're, <laughs> we're dusting it off in our final week of rehearsal. Nice. And now uh, tell me... Um what, what's, the, what's the flu season connection? It's certainly very timely as uh, yeah, I'm recovering from as the we, flu myself. <laughs> you're recovering from the flu and we're heading into flu season. Um, the, it's, it's a love story that starts in the fall. So the story starts in the fall, goes all winter, and ends in the spring. Oh, so, so it, is love like, a, like the flu where you kind of catch um, it? And then you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say that's like a direct... I wouldn't say that's anything we're going for, but yeah, yeah you can certainly infer that from mm. it. Um, yeah, I mean, it has to do with... Uh, it, so at the start of the play, it's supposed to be called the Snow Romance, and then the title gets amended to the Flu Season. <laughs> so it maybe has to do with uh, yeah the bittersweet nature of of how a lot of romances turn out. <laughs> interesting, interesting. All right, and this will be uh, playing at the Dorothy Somerset Studios, which is on campus. On campus, it's on University Boulevard uh, between Main Mall and West Mall. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big green barn with signs in the windows that say there's a theater in here. Uh, it's November 10th to the 13th at 8 p.m. Uh, tickets at the door, or you can go to ubcplayersclub.com and find out how to reserve some tickets. Um, and there's also a Saturday matinee at 2 o'clock on the 13th, and I should stipulate on top yes. of all that that yes. the November 10th performance is Pay What You Can. Hmm. Yeah. So for all the poor, struggling artists? All the struggling artists, struggling students, struggling student artists. Um, <laughs> I encourage you to come and not pay anything if you can't afford it, uh, but you want to come see it. I mean, I'd rather come to that Wednesday show. It's our first audience, so we thought we'd make it pay what you can. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Brian, for telling us about it. Cheers, man. All right. Well, we've got one more, uh, one more feature for you before we wrap up the hour, and that's the World Music Concert for Peace. Back in June, Mark Fenster and his daughter Zoe performed in studio here at CITR for Cantoria, a spiritual musical celebration at the Kulch. Now Mark and Zoe are back with a slew of other musicians for the World Music Concert for Peace at St. Andrew's United Church in North Van. So here's Mark answering the question of who approached him after Cantoria back in June about doing this project. 
It was uh, Reverend Dan Chambers at uh, St. David's United Church in West Vancouver. Um, he had asked if I would be, uh, if I would, if I would come and join a morning service uh, with my daughter Zoe and uh, and tell a little bit of the story of Cantoria, a little bit of my parents' survival, uh, and you know talk about uh, the the whole idea of uh, reconciliation and peace. Mm-hmm. And uh, the reaction was so powerful that uh, we spoke shortly thereafter, and uh, he asked if I would put together what he called the World Music Concert for Peace, and I was delighted. Hmm. Excellent. And um, tell us about what, um, what will this concert feature? Uh, this concert is this Sunday, November 7th, 7 p.m. at St. Andrew's United Church in North Vancouver. Um, it will feature an opening performance by Wendy Stewart, Wendy Bross Stewart. She's uh, an absolutely delightful musician. She's going to be playing the uh, the keyboards for us for the Cantoria portion of the evening. Um, and she's opening with a solo Koto performance. Which is? Uh, Koto is uh, sort of a... a I guess sort of like a zither. It's a Japanese stringed instrument uh, that's plucked, finger plucked, and uh, it's just got a glorious zen sound, very relaxing, very peaceful. If you've been to a Japanese restaurant, you've heard a koto. Okay. Who else? <laughs> Uh, we have uh, Joseph Pepe Danza and uh, Navarro Franco joining us again doing um, the Ocean of Sound, which is world uh, percussive instruments, wind instruments, and uh, various uh, glory noisemakers that you've rarely seen, such <laughs> as, for example, an eagle feather flute. You wow. have to see this to believe it. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Yeah. And then you have the Vancouver Opera Orchestra's concertmaster, Mark Ferris. Yes, Mark Ferris is uh, is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful musician, and uh, he's going to be joining us uh, again for Cantoria. He'll be playing the violin, and uh, Zoltan Rojnai, who's the assistant principal cellist for the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, will be joining us as well. Now, there's also two children's choirs involved? Yes, both Tell me the about children's, that. both the uh, one children's choir and one uh, young adults choir um, at the St. Andrews uh, at the St. Andrews Church. Just uh, the angelic voices for the children's choir mm-hmm. and the saintly singers for the uh, for the older kids, um, and they sound amazing. And this was sort of a last minute thought by uh, uh, Jennifer Hutchinson, who's the uh, the music director at St. Andrews. And when I heard them, I was I just fell in love. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be doing a nice little finale number with them. And it's going to be a full ensemble piece, including Zoe's going to start it off, and then we'll all join in, including the audience. Wow. Yeah, and this is all for a fundraiser, Adam, for the First United uh, Mission in the downtown east side to help those in need in that area. And that's Mark Fenster telling us about the World Music Concert for Peace. And that's coming Sunday, November 7th at 7 p.m. at St. Andrew's United Church, which is 1044... Ooh, um, oh, George's Street, George's Avenue. Yes, something like that. It says 1044 Street, George's Avenue. I may have written that wrong, which is in, uh, in North Vancouver. But I'm sure if you Google St. Andrew's United Church, or better yet, go to our website, citr.ca, and uh, there you will find a link to, I think it's uh, St. Andrew's United Church, and you'll get to, to get the scoop um, on all the, the times um, there. So check that out. Okay, we're going to take one more quick break, and then we'll have time for a special birth announcement. And, uh, and I'll tell you about some uh, next week's show and upcoming uh, segments that we'll have for you. So stay with us. Stop Hi, my name is Brenda Gruno, and I'm the station manager here at CITR 101.9 FM. You should pledge to CITR's Fun Drive 2010 because you'll never get bored listening to CITR. We play all the music you'll never hear on other stations and focus on issues important to your local lives. Plus, any one of you listeners can come in, get broadcast training, and get right on the airwaves. Help us help you. And thank you so much for your support. CITR Fun Drive 2010. November 16th to 25th. Visit citr.ca to learn more. That's right. You heard it there. (laughs) Yeah, Fun Drive is coming. uh, Not next week, but the week after on Wednesday's Arts Report, which I believe is the 17th, yes, uh, we'll have a special Fun Drive show. And we'll tell you about... um, 
the Fun Drive wrap-up uh, party at the Biltmore, which will feature 90s covers, which should be a lot of fun. Anybody who liked 90s music uh, should come out and see a lot of cool local bands uh, do covers of big 90s hits. Uh, so we'll, we'll interview some of those bands and... Um, and, uh, and yeah, and get your, your pledges ready, because um, if you appreciate any of the programming you get here at CITR, um, you know that, um, know that it's, not, it's not cheap and it's not easy. And every, you know, even every penny that, uh, that you could donate to us really goes a huge distance, because we have so many, we're, we're all volunteers here, we're volunteer-based, so every single dollar really goes a long way. It makes, um, it, makes it a lot easier to bring you the programming that, um, that we bring you. So, um, so yeah, yeah, stay tuned for that. Also, uh, also uh, speaking of upcoming programs, on next Wednesday's Arts Report for the 10th, um, we will do a feature on The Inhabitants, which, are, which have been described as, uh, here's a statement, as if electronic period Miles Davis composed the soundtrack of Star Trek TV episodes. That's the kind of sound they have. And they'll be at Western Front, um, which is at 303 East 8th Avenue, just off of Main Street in Vancouver, and is a great sort of uh, hive of artistic activity, Western Front. They have a really cool building that says WF in monstrous uh, letters, like a crown on the top of the building. And anyway, so they're doing um, a recording residency at Western Front uh, right now. And so uh, tomorrow, Elena Metz, arts correspondent, our support correspondent um, will sort of sneak into their residency and um, and uh, see what they're up to, and then they're going to be playing a show. So uh, next Wednesday we'll get uh, Elena's story on that, but the show itself is this uh, Friday, November the fifth at eight p.m. So um, yeah, so so if you Google Western Front, you'll you'll get some links and you'll be able to to find out about their their show on Friday and see what Miles Davis uh, electronic music doing the soundtrack uh, for Star Trek would sound like. Um, another thing that's happening right now and is going on until November the seventh is the Heart of the City Festival in the downtown east side. Now this thing is 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 massive because it's it's a community festival. Uh, extravaganza that really takes in every aspect of the community. So what I mean is there's things like music shows and, and performances, but then there's like walking tours that give you an idea of different neighborhoods of, the, of, um, of Vancouver. And then there's even uh, cooking classes. And there's a lot of diverse uh, sort of neighborhoods, or sorry, like um, community halls and things like Ukrainian uh, community and Japanese, the Japanese community. And each of these uh, communities are having different events, like the cooking classes or, or dancing, uh, cultural dancing. Um, so, yeah, and then there's open houses. There, there's so much, and it's still going on today all the way right through Sunday, and there is something for you no matter what you are into. So, uh, so if you look at heartofthecity.com, heart, all one word, Heart of the City Festival, sorry, heartofthecityfestival.com, um, you will get the full lineup and see what they're doing today, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and, and Sunday, and it's a ton of fun, and it's a great way to kind of liven up... Um, that area. Now, uh, before I go, I also have a special birth announcement. Yes, uh, Ninja Pirates Theatre Company was born on October the 28th, and uh, we welcome it into the world, and we would like to congratulate the very proud parents, uh, James Pizzanato, Victor Ayala, Adrian Petriu, Bryce Hodgson, Brendan Taylor, and Anthony Shim. We wish them many broken legs in the months and years to come. And um, so I think that's the end of our show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and as I said earlier in the program, uh, it, I will be on Canada AM tomorrow to talk about the resignation of Premier Gordon Campbell to get reaction um, from, from different uh, segments, not just people in B.C., but uh, artists in BC and, uh, and UBC students and, and UBC people. And uh, so they got in touch with me and they want me to, uh, to give me those people's perspectives. So if you are one of those people, if you are a person who lives in British Columbia or an artist or a student, um, feel free to email me at arts at citr.ca and I will be your ambassador on, uh, on tomorrow's Canada AM and, uh, and, and, 
and say what um, what you want to say about uh, the Premier's resignation and what it means for the future of BC, the future for the arts community, and, uh, and all that good stuff. All right, so uh, before I go, I'd like to thank the people who made uh, this week's show. That's Simon here in studio, uh, Jeannie at uh, the blog, uh, Nick Panu, uh, Elena Metz, and Matab all of which have contributed to making this show possible. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. You can get th- both those links at citr.ca. And uh, you are listening to 101.9 CITR, and Real to Real is next. Thanks for listening.